This is Everyday Wellness, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve your health and wellness goals and provide practical strategies that you can use in your real life. And now, here is your host, nurse practitioner Cynthia Thurlow. Hey, it's hard to believe that the 100th episode of Everyday Wellness is upon us. It has been an incredible journey. Kelly and I started co-hosting together in September of 2018 and really organically came together after taking a functional nutrition program together in 2015. And so we had really wanted to have a collaborative type of work arrangement that we felt would be really beneficial on so many levels, you know, both from a health and wellness perspective, but also bringing great quality content to our listeners. And so over the past 18 months, I've certainly learned a lot. Um, We've grown an incredible listening audience. We've had the opportunity to interview uh, over 100 incredible human beings in the health and wellness space from diverse backgrounds and obviously have covered a ton of content And, you know, when I reflect on that with tremendous gratitude, uh, so much has happened in both of our personal lives. And actually, um, we are going to splice in some of a conversation that I had with Kelly. Kelly and I decided to take a co-hosting break. Uh, Her business was evolving in different ways and and we left things on really good terms. We're still very close friends, um, but we'll include a little bit of her perspective uh, for the listeners because we have had some questions. Hey, we are jumping on for a really quick little update. Kelly has some big news. No, I'm not pregnant. No, I'm not moving anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Those are usually the responses I get with big news. The big news is... I'm leaving our podcast. Um, It's not big happy news, but it's news that needed to happen for me and for my business. And Cynthia and I, as we've been telling professional colleagues and friends, have been getting the question, did you guys have a fight? Are you breaking up? What's going on? (laughs) And so let's just put that little rumor to bed. We are most definitely not breaking up uh, in terms of our friendship or even our business partnership. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just just taking a lot in and, and realizing where I want to and need to focus on my business. And, you know, Cynthia's business has definitely bloomed in the past, I don't know, what, six months to a year. It's just kind of exploded. Um, And I think that mine's changing too in a slightly different way. I'm going to be focusing some more on the development of programs and digital products for sleep and binge eating and holistic pain management and really getting back to my holistic health psychology roots. And I want I wanted us to do this video so that everyone could see our and you know our uh, inflection in our voices and see <laughs> that we are smiling and I think it's really important uh, not only in friendships but in business relationships to honor where your colleagues are and so I know that this was not a decision that Kelly took lightly and it was one I really wanted to honor and respect. We had started this conversation a few months ago mm-hmm. and then it came up again. Um, and I don't want to, you know, overshare things that were going on in Kelly's life, but she was just having one of those crazy weeks with a kiddo yeah. that was sick and, you know, looking at new housing and all sorts yeah. of, you know, additional pressers that are just kind of life things that happen. And very organically, she came to me and 
just said, you know, energetically, this is not where I am right now. And I know we've done some incredible work together. And Kelly is an incredible interviewer. And I was telling her recently how much I'm going to miss um, her active listening skills. And, it, and I think it's one of those <laughs> things that, you know, we started off this podcast with a shared appreciation and love for nutrition and health psychology mm-hmm. and, and all of the wonderful things that we, you know, continue to help inspire others to do. And, and it will continue in that direction. But I think it also starts with us and honoring who we are in time and space. Mm-hmm. And it could have been me having this conversation totally. and, and not Kelly and wanting to make sure that our listeners understood that, you know, we will continue to collaborate just in different ways. Mm-hmm. And obviously all of the incredible work we've done. I mean, I'm, I'm so proud of the podcast and the point that we're at at this point. I mean, to be in, in the space where we've interviewed some leaders in the health and wellness industry yeah. is something that we're really proud of. And the work that we've done together and, and circling back to the comment I was starting to make, I tend to be a talker <laughs> and I have to work on my listening and that hasn't changed. And Kelly is really, really good at listening and has definitely come out of her shell a little bit more. It's been a little more talkative. So there's a lot of wonderfully symbiotic um, components to this friendship and it doesn't end with the collaboration on our podcast. And hopefully I'll be able to convince Kelly to come back on as a guest at some point this year so she can tell us all about all the cool things that she's doing. Absolutely. And I just want to thank you for being so open and gracious and understanding because I know that, you know, sort of how there's never really a good time to have kids or change Mm -hmm. jobs or start a new exercise or diet plan, there's also really never a great time to leave a podcast that you enjoy doing. Um, But I think that it's also important to leave when things are going well and not wait for life to deteriorate in other ways so that leaving um, isn't on a good note. And it very much is on a good note now. So I I thank you for that. Yeah. And I think it's really important to, and this is something we can take into our personal and professional lives that you know, sometimes you have to honor where people really are. And, you know, for me, I'm very much someone that doesn't like to force anything. I always say if something's meant to work, it will. Yeah. Uh, And that's not being uh, naive. That's just being realistic. And Mm -hmm. I think that it says a lot that Kelly got to a point where she just said, you know what, Um, this is not what's working for me in time and space right now. So let's let's leave on a high note. Let's leave when we're still loving what we're doing, but not be in a position where you're, you know, like we were just talking before we came on the air, there was a business opportunity that came up and I just said, nope, don't want to do it. Nope, don't want to do it. And, you know, what did Kelly say? She said, it's important to have boundaries. It's important to, um, you know, really identify what is working and what isn't. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, you'll end up being resentful and grumpy And so if anyone ever hears me talk about being grumpy on the podcast, (laughs) definitely the universe reminding me that I need to say no more often. So in light of that, I want to make sure that we are honoring what Kelly needs in time and space. The podcast is not going anywhere. We're going to have to change some couple things on um, graphics and Mm -hmm. the intros and the outros, but the same high quality podcast will continue. And I'm excited to say we've got some really cool guests coming up and we'll obviously have Kelly back so she can give us an update. Well, thank you. And I'm so excited for where the podcast is and where it's going and for all the good things coming for you too, Cynthia. Oh, well, thank you, my friend. All right, we'll leave it at that. And, you know, when I reflect on, you know, other than being able to create a, a space and an opportunity and a platform to collect with, so to connect with so many people, 
there are a couple things I'm particularly grateful for beyond just the obvious. Having the opportunity to be included in Entrepreneur Magazine's 20 best podcasts that can help you grow in 2020 was huge for us. Uh, again, having the opportunity to connect with some health and wellness greats. And as I told Kelly, it was always my endeavor to ask as many people as we were interested in interviewing. And if we heard a no, we were okay with that because no could just mean no right now. And then, you know, evolving to host a podcast on my own and and kind of pivoting into different areas and deeper diving into some topics that maybe perhaps we had not done before. So I sit with tremendous gratitude as I'm recording this for you this morning and also wanted to highlight a couple podcasts that we have done in 2020 in particular that I'm uh, are really resonating with our listeners. And I'll start first with Jen Stevens, who I had the opportunity to meet in 2019, we actually were brought on a uh, a radio show and uh, had had actually not spoken before. Found out we have very similar perspectives on intermittent fasting, and obviously, uh, really was wonderful to meet another woman that is in that same intermittent fasting uh, niche and uh, learned a ton. She came on for episode 81, and actually, I just recorded with her again. She's got a book coming out. And then, you know, having the opportunity to connect with the one of the low-carb MDs, if you don't follow that podcast, it's amazing, Dr. Brian Lenski. He talked a lot about uh, bio-individuality and diets and the power of low-carb diets and intermittent fasting. He was in episode 79, pivoting a little bit, uh, I enjoyed our conversation with Michael Collins talking about sugar addiction, which seems to be an issue for so many people. And he's really done some great research and advocacy in this area. That was episode 83. Uh, Trisha Nelson did an amazing episode with us talking about emotional eating and how she helped conquer um, a food addiction and food binging and, and things like that. Episode 92 really resonated with listeners. And then lastly, Pivoting again, uh, connecting with Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, who I met in uh, early 2020. We spoke on a panel in Portland, Oregon together along with Dr. Terry Walls, who we've had on the podcast twice. And she talked about muscle as the organ of longevity, but also realizing that most women are not getting enough protein. And I would imagine men are probably having the same issues, but great episode 95 lot of amazing feedback really resonated with all of you. So as I end this little quick intro, I just want each and every one of you to understand how much I appreciate. I hear you. I appreciate all the feedback that you provide. Um, if you haven't already done so, I would love for you to comment, like, and subscribe. I would love for you to give feedback. You are always more than welcome to email us at info at CynthiaThurlow.com, but we would love for you to subscribe if you have not already done so, and also leave a testimonial, leave a review. We really take those seriously, and it allows us to continue to provide great content when we get that feedback. So have a wonderful rest of your day, and the podcast is coming up. Today, we have Mike Young. He is the founder of The Makeover Master, host of Madeover Podcast, author of Madeover, How to Create a Powerful Brand That Will Transform Your Business and Save Your Life, and a seasoned entrepreneur. And for full disclosure, I was on Mike's podcast last year and he got me to talk like no one else does. <laughs> Mike is the creator of the Starter Pack Makeover Business System as part of what he considers his life's work and duty to help others avoid the hellish 8.5 years of debt, pain and growing pains 
that he, and over 200,000 he spent buying every book and course he could afford, traveling to every seminar and event imaginable, trying to get his business to work. Welcome, Mike. It's such a pleasure to connect with you again. Cynthia, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, you know, I always like to start from the beginning because it's always gives us some context about who we're listening to. So where did you, you know, where did your journey start from? Uh, well, I was born in Chattanooga. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I think my journey, uh, it, I spent the first 23 years of my life thinking I was going to be a pro baseball player. Um, I was really into baseball. I, I think I was hardwired to be an entrepreneur from the mm-hmm. start. Uh, which just meant I was, I was very laser focused on one thing. I didn't mm-hmm. have a plan B. Um, I never created backup plans. Um, and then I found myself at the end of college realizing that that wasn't going to happen. That, mm-hmm. that dream to play pro ball was not going to happen for me. Uh, so I had to shift. I had to, you know, uh, quote unquote pivot and, mm-hmm. And, uh, so I had a friend at the time that was in the mortgage industry. She was doing really well. She's like, you know, I think you'd be great at this. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that led me into the mortgage industry. I ended up creating a a company with five friends of mine. Uh, and we grew it from really five people to 10 offices, 250 employees, uh, highly leveraged in 2008. Mm -hmm. And, and when the financial meltdown hit in 2008, it took my company with it. It took, uh, wow. took me from liquid millionaire to $200,000 in debt in less than six months. Um, and so I really, you know, it took my pride, my self-esteem. Mm-hmm. I felt very shameful, like it was all my fault. And, and so I have a, a deep sense of what it feels like to not only have, have mm-hmm. a sense of well-being and feel good about yourself, but know what that feels like when it feels like your identity is completely stripped away and, and you're left with nothing. What do you do to kind of rebuild this? Mm-hmm. Um, and that led me on a journey, an entrepreneurial journey to kind of rebuild and figure out what's, what's my next, how do I, how do I build this in a more efficient way, doing something I love. And, and I kind of wanted that entrepreneurial dream where money shows up in my bank account, doing something I love so I can spend the majority of my time with my family and friends. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't know it was going to take me so damn long to get here. <laughs> and so, uh, so, uh, you know, eight and a half years later and a couple hundred thousand dollars investing in courses before I, I started to discover what the real problems holding me back were. And, and most of it was between my ears. Yeah. So kind of talk to us about the mindset, you know, where you were in 2008 versus now and how that's evolved, shifted and changed. Yeah. You know, I think, I think the interesting thing was I kind of lived uh, the quote unquote American dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to high school, I went to college, I started my own company. I made lots of money. I had a big house. I found the girl, I had two kids and I was, I was miserable. <laughs> um, and so that was fascinating to me was I did everything that I thought I was supposed to do, but I was grinding it out 80 hours a week in an office, um, spending the majority of my time away from my family, um, getting 200 emails a day, uh, lots of employees calling on me. And so I, I found myself with all the stuff that, that you think will make me successful, but at the same time feeling the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was hard for me to justify for a long time. And, and so 2008 looking back was a blessing in disguise. It Mm -hmm. was like this, this forced uh, two by four upside the head 
that that forced me to change and really go after what I want instead of living somebody else's dream or, or some idea of what's going to make me happy. And, uh, and so that was kind of like my mindset was at the time was, holy crap, what do I do next? Mm -hmm. Because I felt like everything got taken away from me, Mm -hmm. but it turned out, like I said, to be a blessing because it, it really got me to focus on what I want, um, what I really wanted. And I started, I started down a path of, I'm going to go after and get what I want, no matter what it takes. Um, that was kind of my mindset. I like, it was painful enough. I never wanted to go back to an office. I never wanted to wear a suit and tie again. I never wanted to, to have that feeling again. And I was able to reframe my mindset around some, some very crucial things that got me through the tough times. Well, and I think that mindset piece, you know, you go from the scarcity, which is completely normal. If you've had this tremendous loss, you're fearful of what else, you know, you can lose. But the differentiator, I'm sure for you compared to some of your peers who are going through the same thing was that mindset of, I'm going to survive, I'm going to get through this, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever I need to do. And then being able to differentiate and say, okay, I don't want to go back to working an 80 hour week. I don't want the big house. I mean, I can do just fine having a whole lot less, but making sure what I have in my life is fulfilling and enriching and um, valuable. You know, I, I live in a part of the country that has what I would consider to be uh, a lot of the comparisonitis, you know, people mm-hmm. who um, are in periods in their lives where they're very focused on what everyone else has. Mm-hmm. And so if you choose to focus on the material side of things, you're ultimately never going to be happy because it's it's a very empty. It, it's never a cup that's going to be filled. It's always going. Yeah. To- you know, one of, my, one of my favorite books of all time is a book called Affluenza, but it's mm-hmm. all about trying to keep up with the Joneses mm-hmm. and and kind of this, this gradual sense of you, you, and social media does this as well. You end up feeling worse and worse about yourself. You can kind of, you feel like everybody else has it figured out that everybody else is living kind of this great life. And, and at the end of the day, it's actually the opposite. Most of us have, you know, 12 to 20,000 thoughts going through our head every single day. And we're, we're kind of these crazy creatures. Um, so when you begin that comparison game, it can make you feel really, really awful about yourself. Yeah. Well, you know, the saying comparison is the thief of joy. So there's no point in doing it. And, and I agree with you that there's a lot of false portrayals on social media. I think Instagram's probably one of the worst for that. You know, you see yeah. things and you're like, there's no way. That's yeah, it's, it's so like so many fakers on there. It's just like every every picture is perfectly lit and Filtered. scripted, and mm-hmm. uh, your 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 body and your stomach's never sticking out, you know. And so you're like, man, I, I really suck. Yeah. Well, I think what's a great leveler right now, and and I include myself in this. Someone asked me the other day, "Did you dye your hair?" And I'm like. Heck no, I haven't been in the salon in like eight weeks. I need to get some highlights. But the point being, everyone's having to do their own everything, whether it's, you know, something as silly as doing your own manicure or, you know, doing your hair or haircuts. I mean, you're watching men all over social media that are cutting their hair because they're so frustrated uh, that they need haircuts. They're like, I don't know how long I can go with this, but it's the great leveler because all of us are are dealing with the same first world issues right now if we're really social distancing. So- you went through that experience, obviously, which would be incredibly traumatic and then pulled yourself out. And you've mentioned that you did a lot of investment mm. in your own education throughout that process. And, and I think it's 
I mean, I've, I've been guilty of this myself, that sometimes uh, throwing ourselves into more programs or more books is a way to stall actually doing the work. Mm. So when did you make that realization that, you know, you could, you could educate yourself as much as possible, but at some point you had to take the step forward. There was no one that was going to do that for you. Yeah. And I think uh, it's a super, super good point because uh, 2015 was when I realized it. Um, and I, and I started, I started in 2004 around, like I was still in the mortgage industry going mm -hmm. personal development type of stuff, John Maxwell leadership, all these mm -hmm. different things. Um, 2015, I was, I was extremely frustrated and I've, I've felt like I was in a tremendous amount of pain. Mm -hmm. I, why did I have like legitimately a thousand books read and all these courses taken and, and all these seminars and events and why wasn't my business still working? Mm -hmm. um, so I began to ask the real questions. And I think, I think the answer is we're all hardwired to be very fearful and vulnerable creatures. Mm -hmm. And we, we don't like change very much because mm -hmm. change means uncertainty and uncertainty means I might die because I don't know what's going to happen. So we build these these patterns and rituals and routines because in our minds that create that, that creates a sense of safety. Mm -hmm. um, and what I what I began asking was why is my business still not working with all this knowledge and the talent and the skill set? And and that was the recognition for me that my drug of choice was actually the books and the courses and the knowledge products. We all are trying to escape uh, this mm -hmm. sense of the fact that we might die at any moment or, mm -hmm. you know, we don't sit here and think about the fact that nine asteroids fly by our planet every single month. Right. Mm -hmm. We don't, that would scare the crap out of us. If we right. thought about it all the time. Right. And so we, some people use Netflix, some people use alcohol, some people use drugs. I found I found my comfort in books and knowledge courses mm -hmm. because if I was learning and growing in that way, it, it, helped me not put myself fully back into the marketplace because God forbid, if I put myself back out there again, I might fail again. Yeah. And so I think that was it. It was a, it was a creative drug to mask my fear of putting myself back out into the marketplace. Cause I didn't want to feel that, that failure again mm -hmm. that I felt in 2008. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that makes sense. And ironically, um, I interviewed Dr. Judd before our segment and he was talking about how, uh, you know, humans, we, again, as you said, we're hardwired to avoid pain and we generally don't like change. And so our, our brains are, are, are hardwired to be that way mm -hmm. and how challenging it can be. And, you know, add on top of it right now, what's going on with COVID and social distancing and that scarcity kind of mindset can really make people you know, it's analysis paralysis. They're struggling yeah. to make decisions uh, given the the current climate. So in 2015, that was a, a starting point for you, you know, kind of, I'm assuming going all in with mm -hmm. your business and, and perhaps not um, having these fears about recreating what had happened in the past. And so what happened? What happened for you? I asked for help. <laughs> I was, I was, uh, I was the stubborn male that, uh, you know, grew up in a, in a time where it, it was not about showing your emotions. Don't mm -hmm. cry. Uh, don't ask for help, you know, figure it out, uh, rub dirt on it if you fall down. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I realized how crazy that was. I was driving around town, not stopping at the gas station to ask for help from somebody who'd already done what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so once I was in a, you know, I think Tony Robbins says that it's like mm-hmm. people only change when they're in tremendous pleasure or, or tremendous pain, or they're going after something that gives them tremendous pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I was just in enough pain that I finally stopped and said, I'm frustrated. I'm tired. Um, I could use some help. And, and I knew I was, I was reading a ton of books like um, Dr. Phil and Brene mm-hmm. Brown and Garrett White. And mm-hmm. I was reading all these books that were talking about mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that was, that was the beginning of my journey was, was why am I feeling this way? What, what's really going on? Mm-hmm. And when I asked for help and you got the dog in the background. I was going to say, that, he, he agrees with you. He, he yeah, thinks yeah. you got an excellent point. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> No, I think, I think when I asked for help, the thing that amazed me most was how many people emerged to say, mm-hmm. I can help you. And, and for me, I was only stuck on a couple of things. I realized I had a significant mindset issue that I had to get fixed mm-hmm. and I, I needed some help in marketing, copywriting, advertising. And so I, I sought out two people that were experts in those two things and, and everything changed in 18 months for me. Um, the eight and a half years and 200 grand and all that frustration completely unwound itself once I fixed what was going on, but in between my ears. Mm-hmm. And once I learned some foundational things that I didn't understand quite fully. And that's incredible. I, I think that um, the mindset piece is so critical, but yet not spoken about enough. Mm. I feel many of us kind of walk around, um, I, I call it flying at 30,000 feet. We yeah. think we're living, but we're not. But when we're yeah. really all in, we're all in. I know through my own entrepreneurial journey, uh, you know, and I'm, I didn't have a business. I was a clinician uh, and then kind of diving in when I'm on the right path, much like you have, when you shift gears mm. and you're on the right path, the universe lets you know, I mean, it provides yeah. validation that you're certainly on the right path. And so now that you're, you know, five years into this new kind of segment within your business and within your life, what are some of the key things that you share with other entrepreneurs or people that you're working with? You know, when we talk about financial wellness, what are the things that you share with them so that they don't recreate uh, some of the mistakes that you made on your own journey? I think you've kind of mentioned a couple of times going all in and, Mm -hmm. and one of the things it's like all these little BS quotes that we all hear, uh, are, are BS until you have a full understanding of it through your own mm-hmm. wisdom and action. And so one of them is, is if you have a big enough why you can get through any type mm-hmm. of, right. And, and my why got me through all the challenging times when I, when I had made up my mind, I wasn't going to go back to the office environment. My, my actual why was if I quit and settle and go back to a bank job and a 401k mm-hmm. and a gold watch, it shows my kids what it looks like to not fully go after your dreams. Mm-hmm. And that, that thought was so unacceptable to me for my kids to model somebody that's settling on life, that that's what got me through all these tough times. So that's, that was kind of number one is, is if you can have something in your brain that, that is so unacceptable, mm-hmm. it's, it's actually way more painful than quitting itself. Um, that can get you through the tough times. And then, and then I think it's really, I mean, it's, it might sound a little bit woo woo, but it's really just an, ex, uh, an experiment or an experience of self-love mm-hmm. and self-acceptance 
and really, really accepting yourself for who you are, your strengths and your weaknesses and not trying to get somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I was always trying to like, if this happens, then I'll be here and I'll be Mm -hmm. happy. Or if this, if I have a hundred thousand dollars in the bank, then I'll feel this Mm -hmm. way. So I was always trying to get somewhere else. And in some shift around 2017, 18 happened in my brain where I fell in love with the process. Mm -hmm. And I realized there is no magic rainbow. Uh, There's no pot of gold at the end of this thing. It's, It's a continual process of going after what you want seeing obstacles and challenges come your way, solving those and, and course correcting along the way. And it's, it's fascinating to me now because I'm very in tune with who I am and, and mm-hmm. okay with it. But our bodies literally tell you on every single decision right away, the answer. Mm-hmm. So how I would explain that is like, if I said, Hey, Cynthia, do you want to go to uh, this week? Do you want to go Friday to this house party? My friend's having a Tupperware party. And you maybe pause for a second and you're like, I, I don't know if I want to, you know, like your body right mm-hmm. there, right then and there is telling you, you don't want to do that thing. It's yeah. out of alignment. Yeah. But so many times we don't listen to that. Mm-hmm. And so it's a series of micro choices that lead you to a place of where you're in tremendous stress or you feel a tremendous sense of well-being. Mm-hmm. And it's all the micro choices of listening to your body in those moments because if you make a hundred choices over the next hundred days and you're always saying yes to things you really don't want to mm-hmm. do, you, you end up with, with stress. You end up yeah. feeling out of balance, out of alignment, and it feels awful. Yeah. And that's, that's really what was happening. 2008 to 2015, I was making choices that were out of alignment with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just didn't recognize it for a very long time. I'm sure by now you've heard me or others talk about the benefits of using CBD oil. And I'm telling you that it works. Direct CBD Online provides natural alternatives to prescription painkillers and medications. They sell only the highest quality CBD oils, edibles, creams, and more to help you on your search for natural well-being. And they strive to assist you in making informed decisions about your health and the products and supplements you use. If you've been thinking about trying out CBD, I highly encourage you to use Direct CBD Online. Click the link in the description to get started today. I, I love that. And I want to pivot back to what you mentioned about creating something your children would be proud of. Mm. Um, I, I think as parents, uh, and I don't know what your circumstances were like growing up, but for me, uh, one of the ways I've kind of shifted my life and my perspective is always wanting my children to be able to look up to me as someone they are proud of and someone that makes good choices and someone that perseveres. And so uh, you know, last year when I when I had my healthcare hiccup and then went on to do that talk, I kept saying to my kids, I want you to understand if you're if you set your mind to something, you are capable of anything. And then, mm. you know, actualizing that. I'm curious. I mean, I didn't grow up with entrepreneurial parents. Did you have entrepreneur parents or were they the stereotypical 1950s, 1960s, 1970s parents that, you know, worked at the same, you know, my dad worked for the federal government his entire career. My mom was a nurse um, and worked in the healthcare industry for her entire, you know, entire career. How about your parents? Yeah, my my mom worked at Nike for 30 plus years. Mm -hmm. Uh, My dad uh, was more entrepreneurial. He worked at a job for a while and then started his own company. So Mm -hmm. I think I got some of my entrepreneurial stuff from my dad. Um, And it brings up a good point. You know, it's is as you go, especially as an entrepreneur, you go through this path 
sometimes the people that are closest to you that care about you the most actually give you terrible advice. Yes. Um, and, <laughs> yes. and so they, they love you and they care about you and they want to keep you safe because, mm-hmm. because they're human too. They want safety and comfort mm-hmm. and certainty. And, and so my mom, a lot of times, bless her heart, she would give me terrible advice that was mm-hmm. out of alignment with me. I wanted mm-hmm. to go after this. And it wasn't about me wanting to f- feel like my kids being proud of me. Mm-hmm. I just wanted my kids to go after whatever they wanted in mm-hmm. life. And I knew they were going to model my behavior. And, and so my mom would be like, well, maybe it's time to get a job. Maybe it's time. Mm-hmm. But, but for me to get a job would have actually robbed my soul, you know, Mm -hmm. like it would have just, it would have crushed me. Mm -hmm. Um, I would have, I would have literally felt like way worse of a failure than losing a million bucks. Like it it just would have, it would have crushed my spirit. I would have been ended up an 80 year old grumpy old man, uh, kicking my dog, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I think, I think it's important to recognize what your definition of success is mm-hmm. and be okay with going after it and not giving a shit what anybody else thinks. Yeah. I think if we worry about what everyone else is thinking of us, it'll hold us back and hamper us. But I love what you touched on with regard to being in alignment. Uh, mm-hmm. And for those that are listening, uh, I don't think I ever used that word before I became an entrepreneur, but now I fully understand and appreciate it that when I am doing what I am meant to be doing, it resonates, it moves easily, it isn't arduous. Whereas like you mentioned, how many times do we do this in our personal and professional lives? We agree to do things we don't really want to do. Yeah. And maybe we're doing it to appease someone, maybe we feel obligated. And so I've started really being very purposeful and I have a, a wonderful uh, VA who keeps me aligned. She handles most of my schedule now. And I just mm. tell her, I'm like, do not put anything on my schedule before Memorial Day. Yep. And so every time I go to put something on the schedule, she's like, you told me to remind you not to put <laughs> anything on your schedule. Uh, and so I, I think when we do things that serve our higher, higher purpose, if we do things that are in alignment with our goals and our vision, they really do work easily and effortlessly. Someone said to me, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. Yep. And so that's kind of my guiding principle, even when I'm approached about amazing business opportunities or I'm going to go speak somewhere and they're going to pay me a lot of money. And I mean, that's all gratifying and that's nice, but if it's not the type of audience I want to be in front of, if it's not a location I want to go to, I mean, someone reached out and uh, offered to send me to Berlin, which I'd love to go to Berlin, but it's a, a not a good time of the year. I mean, now it wouldn't even happen, but <laughs> take, take the COVID-19 situation. But the point being, I, and I was very honest with them and I said, I would love to come to Berlin that's right around one of my children's birthdays. It's also the start of school. It's really not the right time. If there's another opportunity in the future, that's great. And if they're really interested, they'll come after me. Instead of the scarcity mindset of, oh, I have to say yes to everything because what if it doesn't come back around? What if they forget? Yeah, out? 100%. Right. If you, and what's fascinating about it to me now is like this sign behind me, like my wife mm-hmm. decorated I this area or whatever. It just says, do more of what makes you happy because yeah. I... I fell into patterning that I was, I was constantly stressed out and miserable. Mm-hmm. I still have bags under my eyes from, from that decade, you know? And, and I think it is as simple as that. It's, it comes down to clarity, mm-hmm. extremely clear on who you are and your values and, and what you're going after, because then those decisions uh, we only have one life mm-hmm. and those decisions can come with tremendous speed. And, and you talk about financial freedom or financial well-being. It's like 
you know, speed loves clarity and money loves speed. And so it's, it's just that when you can make quick decisions, it's usually because you're very clear on where you're ha- headed. It's like, it's like growing up, we were at this lake, you know, a couple of weeks ago, this beach house, uh, lake house that a friend of ours has. And my wife and I are rowing these kayaks mm-hmm. and, and I'm literally, I mean, it was like, it was like watching somebody that had never been in a boat before. <laughs> I'm, I'm like floundering around left <laughs> and right. And all I, all I did was I was, I was getting frustrated because mm-hmm. I was, I was rowing the boat harder and harder and not going where I wanted to go. And I just picked this one point on this one rooftop of this one house. And all of a sudden the boat started going straight. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like, that's, that's the difference is like this extreme focus on where you're headed what's important to you because when you say yes to Berlin or Mm -hmm. opportunities, you're literally valuing something else Mm -hmm. more than yourself or you're valuing somebody else's want or desire more than what your clarity says. And so I I find that's, that's what I do most with clients is I force them to get clear with themselves before we start designing anything, Mm -hmm. before we start executing on a plan, let's, let's get clear on where we're headed and why that matters to you. Yeah. And and think about how many entrepreneurs I'm guilty of this myself. I had a website before I even knew what my niche was. I mean, talk about putting the cart before the horse. I think that clarity piece is really critical. In fact, I had a (laughs) call this afternoon with a nursing student who just reached out to me over LinkedIn. And I was like, I'm always happy to help nursing students always. And so she was asking me, you know, how did you end up in your niche and how did you end up this? And I said, you need to spend time. What are you, what are you driven to do? What do you enjoy doing? It's really, really important that we not serve everyone. It's okay to say, I only serve one gender or I serve both genders, or this is the niche within the entrepreneurial space that I exist in. I think when people are afraid of um, niching down or being very clear about what they want or who they serve, they're always fearful of what they're going to miss out on. I'm like, no, 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 there's plenty to go around. There are plenty of people that are in this space uh, you are not going to, uh, you know, put yourself in a position where you're missing out on opportunities. And if you think that way, if you have that scarcity mindset, that's hugely detrimental. Yeah. I mean, you think it's, it's literally the definition of crazy and we all are kind of that way in the beginning. And so there's a couple frustrating things early on. I, and I was laughing because I had a friend of mine, very good, he's a successful entrepreneur. He's got a new program coming out and he's like, Hey, we need a logo. I was like, great. What's the logo saying? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, how the (laughs) hell am I going to design it if I don't know what the words are, you know? Right. Um, But, but I think as in the beginning, you have to go through a period of trying everything Mm -hmm. and action. It's, it's like going into, you've, you've never had ice cream in your life and you Mm -hmm. go into Baskin Robbins and there's 31 flavors. You have to try all 31 to -hmm. find out that you really, really like chocolate. And, and that period can be frustrating because as you try the 30 other flavors that are out of alignment with you that mm-hmm. don't match who you are, you, you can tell yourself one of two stories. Um, one is I tried something it didn't, it wasn't in alignment with me. So I tried something different mm-hmm. or you can tell yourself like I did for years that, Oh, I suck. I'm a loser. I'm, I'm, I'm failing again. Mm-hmm. I, I tried this and failed again. And so I was always, I was robbing my, my self 
by giving myself dopamine hits because mm-hmm. I was always talking about it. I was like, Hey mom, I'm going to do this business thing and it's going to be great. And it's going to do this or, Hey, my best friend it's going to be great. It's going to do this. That was giving myself these dopamine hits. So when I tried it, then it was out of alignment and I decided I didn't want to do it. I felt like a failure because I'd already told people what I was going to do. So I think now I, I mean, I rarely tell anybody, anything. Um, I just go execute. And then when it doesn't work out, at least I'm just a failure to myself, I guess. Well, and I think, I mean, I think we all kind of navigate what resonates with us in terms of, you know, what we're going to experience or what we're going to try doing. I, I've started talking more openly about things that are going on in my business for Mm. accountability purposes, but also because it's interesting what, you know, and here's the other piece as you mentioned, you know, you have well-meaning people in your life who are not entrepreneurs, some of whom are your biggest cheerleaders and they're great and they're super supportive. And then sometimes you get people that kind of bring you down 15 notches. Like I know my, my father, when I told him I was leaving my nurse practitioner job, which was very well paying to become an entrepreneur, he was like, why the hell would you do that? Yeah. Why would you, you know, you you got your education from here and why would you do that? And I said, why would I not? I'm not happy, you know? Well, I think the thing, the thing that you did that's amazing that a lot of people don't do is, is that can bring you down, but it's your choice of whether it brings mm -hmm. you down or not. It's, it's, you get to choose how you react to situations. Mm -hmm. And so if it hurts your feelings, like I can't, I can't hurt your feelings. Only you can do that to yourself. It's, I mean, I could say some very mean things, but it's like only you get to choose whether that affects you or not. And, And so you just took your own power. Yeah. Well, and I I think um, a theme that I hear with you and many other entrepreneurs that I talk with, myself included, is I'm a survivor. It's like life's going to throw me shit and I'm either going to rise up from it or I'm going to let it drag me down. And so uh, much to your point about, you know, a lot of the decisions that we make is demonstrating for our children what you're capable of doing under adversity. And so I, I am a huge proponent of, you know, stuff happens all the time. It's how we react to it is our own choice. hundred percent. Could you imagine how boring movies would be if there was no adversity or no Mm -hmm. obstacle? I mean, it'd just be the boring, Hey, here's two, here's a married couple and their dog. They sit on a porch and they never have to struggle. (laughs) It'd be the most boring movie ever. (laughs) But I I think, I think one thing I will want to go back to just real quick is that you asked me about kind of maybe lessons I've learned along this journey. And, and one of the things around entrepreneurship or running a business or whatever is stop listening to advice from people who haven't done what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And that's, that was a big lesson for me. Mm-hmm. I was listening to my mom. I was listening to my wife. I was listening to whoever. And when I began listening to people that had already done what I was trying to do specifically, everything changed. And yeah. so, and, and, and I mean that sincerely, I have a, a buddy who's one of the best tattoo artists in the country. And he was like, I'm thinking about running ads for my tattoo shop and I'm looking to hire somebody to take this over. Well, there's a million people that run ads. Right. Mm-hmm. And so our advice to him was, was hire somebody that specifically mm-hmm. already had success running ads for a tattoo shop. Mm-hmm. So it's like that subtle difference of I'm looking for somebody to run ads versus niching it down onto mm-hmm. something that they're actually trying to do uh, can mean the difference between success and failure at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other um, piece that I think is so helpful as an entrepreneur, and I'm, I'm sure you probably would agree with is surrounding yourself with 
um, and investing in yourself and, and investing in yourself. I know, you know, you had mentioned you had taken courses and read books and that's, I mean, certainly important uh, because we want to evolve, shift and change as human beings, but it's equally important to make sure you surround yourself by people that inspire you, that yeah. people that provide good uh, professional advice and, and serve as resources. And I sometimes find that the people that only, the only people that understand me at most given points in my week are other entrepreneurs because the people working the nine to fives, and this is not knocking them or even my healthcare um, friends that are on the front line fighting COVID. It's just a different mindset. Like I'm my own entrepreneur and someone actually reached out the other day and said, you know, how has this impacted your business? I said, well, I'm hundred percent virtual. So with minus not being able to travel, um, I can still do what I do. But for those that were brick and mortar or hadn't pivoted into the entrepreneurial online space, probably a steeper learning curve. Are you having clients that are making that pivot now or are most of them virtual to begin with? I have both. I mean, I have people, I, I've seen, I'm seeing a, a wide variety. I'm seeing about one out of every 12 people is completely freaked out, losing their mind, think the world's ending. Um, some people are like, hey, it's kind of, you know, I've had to make some subtle shifts. Uh, I've made a few subtle shifts, mm-hmm. but, but nothing big. Uh, the one shift I made was I got, I got very flexible on payment plans mm-hmm. where normally it's like, here's, here's the cost and you can pay it in two payments or one payment. Um, I, I had a guy the other day that I spread it out over a year for him. Mm-hmm. He was just fearful about the investment and what's right. going to happen months from now. And so I, I'm like, most people are good people and mm-hmm. you know, he's going to pay me. And I, and I think it goes back to another thing that you mentioned too, about this scarcity mindset mm-hmm. is there's there's seven and a half billion plus people on the planet. Mm-hmm. And, and most of us to run a successful business, a wildly successful business, the numbers are, are, are vastly smaller than that. Mm-hmm. You know, so, some people, when it comes to their true capacity, it's literally 10 clients a month and they're at full capacity. 10 clients a month paying me 10 grand is, is a hundred thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. And so, to think that I can't build a system to attract 10 clients per month is, is almost the definition of insanity Mm -hmm. or to think that I have to put up or hire a coach or a mentor that's not in alignment with me. That doesn't make me feel good uh, is crazy too. There's, there's a million people that have already done what you're trying to do. Find somebody that's in alignment with you. Um, Because if, if, if I pick somebody like for me, I have a terrible problem with just like swearing casually, right? Swearing all the time. Well, if, if my client or my coach or my mentor is deeply offended mm-hmm. with the, with me saying shit, like that relationship is probably not going to work, you know? And so, so pick, pick your clients and pick your mentors and pick your environment. Like you were saying, pick the, surround yourself with people that are in alignment with who you are. Mm-hmm. Things get a whole lot easier when you stop trying to, you know, put round pegs in square holes. Yeah. And that's a good point. And I think for so many of us that have come from being an employee to being an entrepreneur, that takes a while. Like that mentality, I think when you're an employee, there's a lot you have to accept. Yeah. And I'm not suggesting as an entrepreneur, you aren't also in that position, but you have a bit more control over who you're exposed to. And I, I think that, you know, they talk about, you know, seven degrees of separation, the people you spend the most time with. And so for me, you know, when I was first an entrepreneur, I had, you know, one business coach that wasn't really a good fit. Then I had another one who was terrible. Um, <laughs> and then I found for my personality, because I tend to be, even though I'm a woman, I tend to be very decisive. I'm very, you know, concise and and methodical. I had to have a guy coach 
Yeah. And it humored me enormously. And I, I, I laugh with him about this, but I'm like, I needed a guy coach. I actually just resonate more. And he actually said, he said, you're the kind of woman, even though you're very feminine and, you know, you embrace your femininity. He said, you're very decisive, probably because of the kind of work you did as an NP before you transitioned into this space. And I was like, you're right. I I like concrete things. I like things to be, I don't like abstraction. Um, I don't like, you know, and, and and on the flip side, I'm the other way. Like I'm very yeah. empathetic. I know mm-hmm. what it feels like to kind of lose your groove or lose yeah. your mojo. Yeah. And so my ideal clients are are oftentimes uh, women mm-hmm. uh, because they they women have three or four different periods where they feel like their identity is taken from them, especially if they have kids. Mm-hmm. And and so you know you have kids, and so you you feel like your professional identity is taken from you, and then. Mm-hmm. They get into school and you feel like your identity to keep them safe is taken from you as they mm-hmm. go into school full time. And, and so um, I found that my empathy and my own journey really, really relates. And, and so my, my very best clients are often women, um, helping them kind of reclaim who, who they, their sense of identity and purpose mm-hmm. again and helping them transition into a business that's thriving as their kids have kind of exited the nest a little bit. Oh, and I think that's smart. And I think, you know, sometimes we have to think outside of what we perceive to be what we need. Uh, That's definitely a a message that I like to share with people who are either aspiring or budding entrepreneurs. I'm like, listen, the woulda, shoulda, couldas have to kind of drop off the map and just be open-minded. Like that is definitely something that I've had to, um, that I've oftentimes been really surprised, like whether or not it's been an interview or it's been some other, you know, professional interaction where I've been like, wow, that was a complete I, surprise. This thing is such a good point, uh, Cynthia, like you, you can't see the back of your own head. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about perspective, a lot of times you, you are going after something, you're trying to do something, whatever that is, it doesn't have to even be entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. It's just, you're going after something and you can't give yourself your own outside perspective. Mm-hmm. So that's why, that's why it wasn't working for a long time is I just wasn't getting some outside perspective and coaching and guidance from some people who had already done what I was trying mm-hmm. to do. And so I was driving myself insane because I was dealing with this internal dialogue with myself, but nobody else in the world even knew that was going on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, one, you know, really critical piece, I think that resonates with, you know, humans on every level is that wherever you are in your life, you can benefit from having a coach or having someone that Mm -hmm. can provide perspective and guidance. And I know sometimes the financial investment will overwhelm people because they get fixated on money. And I always remind them, I'm like, it's an investment in you. Yeah. One of the things, one of the reasons why I've gotten from where I was four years ago to where I am today is because I invested in, um, you know, very purposefully after the first two hiccups, um, very purposefully, I was like, if I'm going to, you know, bring someone into my business, I want to make sure that I benefit, you know, in a way that is significant. Um, and, you know, I have such good working relations with people that I've aligned with, whether they've been my own clients or other people that have supported me in my business or, you know, podcast people that I've brought on board. I think it's really critical because we all thrive when we are supporting one another, even if it's just as simple as, we do a podcast together, we connect, it has great synergy, we move on to the next thing. Yeah, and it's and it, we're, we're wildly impatient. Mm-hmm. So it's like you, you talk about patterns and routines and habits that we all develop to keep ourselves safe. And you decide that you want a different 
version of yourself Mm -hmm. two or three or four years from now. But then we, you know, let's just say that you want six pack abs. And so I go out tomorrow and I do 1400 sit-ups and then I don't have six pack abs. I burn myself out. I wonder Mm -hmm. why. So I think it's about this. I think at the end of the day, it's about extreme clarity on what success or freedom means to you Mm -hmm. and defining that and then finding somebody that's already done it before you and then reverse engineering their patterns, their habits, their mindset, uh, their root, their routines, because they, their patterns and habits and routines have equaled what you want. Mm-hmm. And the reality is your, your old patterns and habits and routines of last 10 years have led each of us to exactly where we're at today. So if you're not getting the results you want today, then we have to look back at what are our habits and patterns and routines, and we have to shift those differently. It doesn't mean... You, you can't still be in love with yourself. It doesn't mean that you still can't be accepting of yourself. It just means that if you want new results, you have to do different actions and, and, Absolutely. and that's okay too. But just, you know, 1400 sit-ups is not going to be as successful as 10 sit-ups tomorrow, 11 sit-ups the next day, 12 sit-ups the next day and building a pattern and routine that's going to equal almost guarantee success. Mm-hmm. If you can figure out what those routines are. Well, and I think the small, subtle changes lead to big action is really a good point to to kind of end with that, you know, the people that are all in for 24 hours and then, you know, they're, they kind of go as well, it didn't work. So I'm just not going to do that. It didn't work for me. Whereas someone who says, okay, like you mentioned, I'm going to do this many on this day, one more the day after, you know, it yeah. takes, you know, anywhere from 30 to 60 days to really create a new routine. So if anyone thinks they're going to get instantaneous success, irrespective of what kind of business you're in, that's, it's foolish and short-sighted. So let share with the guests how they can connect with you. How can they connect with you on social media? Where can they find you? Sure. I'm on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn personally. Uh, my website is themakeovermaster.com. And we essentially, we do a lot of like uh, free blind spot reviews for businesses. If their business isn't working, we help get it working. If their business is working, we help make it pretty. I mean, that's in a, in a nutshell. So um, yeah, if people want to connect with me or reach out or ask for book recommendations from the yeah. thousand books that I read, <laughs> uh, you know, I've kind of narrowed it down. I've narrowed yeah. it down from the thousand down to about 12 books that really mattered to me. So, um, but yeah, I'm glad to connect and glad to help others. And just as an end, what are two of your favorite books? What, what are two books that you would say out of the 12, out of the thousands that you read that are most beneficial? I'll give you three because, okay. because I think I've reverse engineered this down. If you're running a business anyway, um, down to three books. One mm-hmm. is How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World by a guy mm-hmm. named Harry Brown. It's, it's almost a crime that book's not more popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's how I was able to reframe my brain around what true freedom, true success looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, second one is um, Breakthrough Advertising. Mm-hmm. Uh, that book, Beast, and so it can make you feel stupid because I've read it every year and I'm still gaining new insights from it. Uh, and the third book I would recommend is probably The Power of Habits by James Clear. Um, I think it's The Power of Habits, but okay. James, James Clear stuff, you could find him on YouTube. Um, and, and he's really good at his process of why those small changes you talked about, why those small changes add up to big things. Awesome. Thank you so much. I know my uh, listeners will find that invaluable. Again, this is all about financial wellness. It is part of everyday wellness. 
Thanks for listening to Everyday Wellness. If you loved this episode, please leave us a rating and review, subscribe, and remember, tell a friend. And if you want to connect with us online, visit the link in the show notes.